You're tuning into Parenting Naked, a collaborative to help navigate the celebrations and challenges of parenting. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us again today. Today, we're going to be playing part three of our three-part Daddy Boot Camp episode. And here, we're going to hear from the dads uh, regarding their experiences getting that baby ready at the hospital to bring home for the first time. Should be a really fun conversation. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. What was like memorable for you guys? Because I know after I had the baby, I was so freaked out about having to go home and not having the nursing staff there. And so it was just so little. And I remember Randall going to the first car ride home or whatever. You you got a class about putting the car seat in um, and then how to put the baby in correctly, because there's a statistic like 80 percent of people put the car seat in wrong and actually put the baby in incorrectly. But I freaked out like I couldn't put Zoe in the car seat. She was just so little. And I was like, I'm going to hurt her. So I made Randall do all of that. Poor guy. I was like, this is you. I can't. I didn't even want to put regular clothes on her because I thought I was going to break her. (laughs) But it's it would be nice to know like your guys' experience from the time that the baby was out and getting the baby and your wife home, especially with the C-section and knowing that there's not a whole lot she can do right away. But like, what's the most memorable thing for you guys during that time? Uh, I, I'll, I'll start this one. Um, I, for me, it was, um, I, I had practiced putting the car seat in long before she even went to the hospital. I think I had that car seat in the last month of her pregnancy because I just was so excited to bring a baby home. And, um, I, I remember putting her like same thing, kind of putting her in new clothes, her, her, her take home outfit. (laughs) I was like, you're, just trying to be so delicate because they feel like they're just like going to break. They're this fragile thing that's going to break. And, um, but I remember putting her in the car seat and like how cute she looked and her little beanie was folding over her eyes because they were like trying to like, you know, gently shuffle her into this thing. And, um, but for me, the exciting thing was getting both of us home because I know my wife wanted to sleep in her own bed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so getting her home to her own bed was, was very important. And then me, I was so excited to get my daughter home so that I could just lay on the couch with her all day and care about nothing else other than taking care of this little baby girl that has, you know, blessed my life. And uh, so that was what was huge for me. And that, that I can attest for all three was like, I was so anxious to get them home because I wanted them to be one out of a hospital setting and same for my wife. And then two, just being able to have them on your own time doing skin to skin at home and, and just being able to cuddle them all day long, as long as you can. And just, you know, living in your own little bubble until the reality, the harsh reality of work and bills and being an adult comes back. (laughs) I remember being exciting and and scary, you know, cause you know, Grant was, um, Grant was close to 10 pounds when he was born. So, he, you know, was a C-section. He came out, his eyes were open. I mean, he was, he was alert and he was ready to go. And, and the whole time we were there, you know, we're doing the thing with the blanket where you try to wrap them up nice and tight. And that boy was Houdini. You couldn't <laughs> keep that thing on him. And people had bought these little beanies for him and he hated hats. And so like, you're there and you're just like, come on, dude, just give in a little bit, you know, but he didn't want to be swaddled up and he didn't want to wear the hats. And 
Um, but he was pretty calm and everything. So it was cool. So we're like, okay, you know, that the child seat, the, the hospital made sure it was like, I think they had like a fireman there or something mm -hmm. made sure the child seat was in properly. So, um, you know, we brought the, the, the detachable part up, we put him in it and he fell asleep and we're like, Oh, this is awesome. And got him in the car and got home and took him in. And we, we set that detachable part on top of the kitchen table. About two seconds later, he wakes up and just starts screaming. And my wife and I are looking at each other like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, what's going on? You know, so we're like, okay, okay, maybe he's hungry. And and so we, we, we try to feed him. And, and then, you know, he soiled himself. So we're like, okay, we got to change him. We, we didn't prepare for a 10-pound child. No. So nothing that we had fit. <laughs> so I think the diapers we kind of barely fit, but you know, we had drawers of onesies and none of the onesies fit him. And so we're just kind of freaking out a little bit, but but it was fine. We got him changed, we got him fed, he calmed down, we just wrapped him in a blanket and and I went shopping. Um, <laughs> but um yeah, it was it was it was amazing. But that that was kind of that was kind of funny and you know we we didn't i didn't want to know the sex of the child uh, my wife she you know always has to know the ending before she starts the story mm -hmm. so um she knew it was going to be a boy but i didn't know so you know when i prepped the room it was it was all kind of neutral colors you know for whatever comes in that we bring home you know is 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 ready and and um so that was one of the the most surprising things was just kind of how big he was, but just how alert he was already too was, was a lot of fun. And, and um, me and my wife kind of, kind of made a game of it too, because we finally got onesies that fit. And so we'd actually, whenever we had to change him, we would race to see who could put the onesies on fastest. <laughs> and so we time each other <laughs> to see who could do it. And, um, but the thing is, whoever was was doing the timing got to pick the onesie they had to put on, and so there was always this one that always took longer. <laughs> so it was kind of we'd always mess with each other like that. But um, yeah, I think just the amount he ate and how long he slept, and it was just kind of this routine of eat, sleep, poop, eat, sleep, poop, and um, and then but those little moments of you know, when he was awake and just aware and interacting with you was just melt your heart. It was amazing and um, just drew you, drew you so close, close to him. And just the way it's funny, just the way that you talk, mm -hmm. you know, and the things that you express and, and just the songs that you sing, you know, just bringing stuff up. It was, it was really good. But I think that, yeah, just first time coming home and the first time the baby just let out that, that scream and you're just like, Oh, what do I do? The experience of going home uh, with the first baby. Yeah. Well, I think uh, for me, I think you alluded to a little bit like how little she was. Like I wasn't prepared for that. Um, and then so I just kept thinking I was going to break something. Mm -hmm. Like even like changing, putting them pjs on or the, the diaper like i was like i was so like scared and tender and and then you compare that to number two and you're like 
right, you're good. <laughs> like, you just change, like, everything changes. Yeah. You know, you're like, I, it's going to be hard to break this kid, apparently. And, yeah. and people say that. You're, like, you're not going to, the kid's going to be fine. But you're like, I just remember being like, and, you know, I'm the youngest of three boys in my family. And we're the only, Gretchen and I are the only ones in the whole, and both of our families have kids. So I had almost no experience with a certainly with a newborn or any children at all and so it's very like i don't know what to i don't even know how to hold you know like it just everything felt uncomfortable and you get over it quickly and you start to bond and feel comfortable with your you know child very quickly but like um again like yeah i just wasn't prepared for that little tiny being you know like it just it's still even even when we had our second and you're used to picking up the first who's you know maybe 30 pounds or 25 pounds and you're holding like a seven pound (laughs) you're a lot lighter than i was expecting you know and so like that part i just remember you know that was probably the thing i wasn't the rest of it i expected the fatigue and the uh, how do i get this kid to stop crying like i expected the confusion and the fatigue just because everyone says be prepared Mm -hmm. but just sort of that i think i'll I'll never forget that part yeah yeah aaron and i are both serious planners so we had all the preparations done in advance and for us it was what came up as part of camden's delivery in terms of decisions we had to make immediately in the hospital around um the fluid on his head and things of that nature but most surprising thing to me at least in practice because some of the dads uh that i had uh, been talking to right prior to delivery like it's going to be magical but your world's going to be turned upside down you're like yeah i can philosophically understand that but the way you plan your time immediately becomes inverted when you have your kids like it's nothing is predictable and nothing is as long as you expect it to be so you're taking all the things you want to do deliberately wedging them into what when time makes itself available um and it starts like the first day or two and like how how you're sleeping in the hospital and how all the care professionals are coming into the room cluster feeding mm-hmm. all of that um it's 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 it persists now into life like that like i you take that as a um, maybe something that happens just for the moment that you're you're in the hospital but it, to the first shopping experience that you have when you go is very telling about what you didn't prepare for or what you weren't expecting. And for us, it was swaddles, like immediately get the Velcro swaddles so that the kids can't get their arms out, can't wake themselves up and like just to get some sort of control back. Um, and, uh, for uh, that's just been, um, for us, we actually didn't have with Camden a very great, uh, sleep experience. And we didn't realize to wait the second, how bad it was. Um, because the second has been amazing sleeping through the night, very shortly after birth um, but our first was up through like six or eight months still waking up four times a night and um daytime hours he was just a, a a dream and just for some reason in the evenings so we were very sleep deprived um the whole time and adam and i were talking on the way over here about like how that affects your decision making your relationship with your spouse and like mm-hmm. essentially you put that kind of pressure on an otherwise normal experience and it obviously like these moments where either you can't process your thoughts properly or things get misperceived and just it creates this uh it adds more um havoc to the situation um but in a way that where you're trying to reassert kind of your own understanding and control of the circumstances for me that was the biggest thing and then but then there's kind of on the other side of it being able to embrace that is just the way things are not going to go um with kids with a now two-year-old and potty training like that you can't 
you can be try to be prepared as be as as thoughtful and um, deliberate as a parent in the way you want to project yourself to your spouse to your kids um, and handle certain certain situations, but they will always surprise you. Don't forget, we all want a kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Again, I'm always prepared. I'm a planner. I, I think that doesn't always fall suit with my significant other or their. So uh, I, I was kind of like one of the biggest things that I took out of the classes was like the swaddling. I remember that um, they were really pretty much like, yes, you're not going to break your baby, stuff that shit in there, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so I have always been able to be the one that swaddled them. So I'd always would do that. So I always remember like swaddling the kids and like Misty was always like, are you sure you're not doing it too tight? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just like, Go do something else, you know. I gotta, I gotta do this, you know. This is my car. <laughs> yeah. Um, the car seat, yeah, was huge. Uh, I'm sure, Ryan and Charles can attest. I'm pretty crazy on car seat stuff. So I'm like, hey, Ryan, you don't have this little piece on here. Hey, hey, hey Travis, so he needs a car seat. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty crazy with that. So it was, I was ready. Like three months before Zoe's here, I watched a lot of videos, a lot of videos of how to get it correctly and made sure I had it correctly and um yeah they have the, the fire uh firemen there at the hospital that make you go there and you know they were once they tested my car seat they were like I don't think we really need to look at anything after they talked to me of how to do it but they were like can you just undo it and redo it and I was like sure <laughs> um <clears throat> so I was prepared for that and and also knowing I think uh like I said with them telling you like how to be able to do the swaddle and yes they are delicate but they're not they're, you're not going to break them easily but uh you know so the car seat wasn't really an issue for me either um you know because you know with all those videos and also talking to the firemen and stuff like that they're like you have to make it tighter than what you think you need to make it you know they're like safety and that i think that's why it was always big for car seats is because they were just saying, like, statistically, people have them to lose. So, you know, our kids still don't wear jackets in the car when they when we have seat belts on and stuff because the firemen, I just specifically remember them, like, don't do that, you know, kind of thing. So it's always, like, always, like, a thing for me on that. So I, I was prepared for that stuff. I wasn't prepared for my wife to say she was scared when we were coming home because then I was like, you can be scared. I'm scared. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you have that feeling. You're like, well, sure, now I don't have the nurses around. So if something does happen, what am I going to do? And then when you're otherwise calm and your significant other that keeps you calm is like, I'm scared. I don't know what to do right now. You're like, no, we both can't be like that. And I remember her saying that. She says, we both can't be scared. So I was like, oh, well, then I guess I'm not scared. <laughs> uh, Sorry, so, I didn't yeah. allow that. <laughs> you both can't be scared in this yeah. car. Fake it. <laughs> yeah, so, like, on the way home, it was it was good. Um, you know, you're a little more nervous at first, driving at first. You're paying attention to everything. And then I just remember Misty wanted a sandwich. She couldn't have a sandwich. <laughs> Throughout pregnancy, so that was our first stop. <laughs> a sandwich. Um, I don't know. It's been so long that I can't. I can't really remember like getting home. I, I remember getting home. You know, like you're excited and stuff, but you just can't remember all this stuff. The the one things I 
do like remembers you know throughout having zoe at, at like at night like it, we, we had those conversations later it was like i thought i'd be more helpful at night but it kind of was like more in the way so it was more of like you really can't do anything i can't breastfeed so it was she was like if i need you i'll let you know okay like mm-hmm. so it was more she was the you know it's like you still you still are kind of asleep you know when 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 they're in there feeding doing their stuff and stuff like that whether they're you know Zoe stayed in our room for a while but then we transitioned her in her other room but it's like you know you kind of like listen kind of hear things but you're kind of half asleep half not so you know sleep sleep is hard they don't ever I, I don't know they do tell you you know your sleep will change but you just don't ever you don't ever expect that and I, I don't think you ever that's not like you go through a boot camp and baby boot camp where you're they're like waking you up every couple hours. Like <laughs> yeah. we gotta get you ready for this. Like you can never be ready for it. Um, you know. And uh, so that was that was uh, I, I don't know. That was the, that was the thing. Like getting home yesterday, excited, but it is your life now. You know. Hopefully, I, you know. I think of, I always, for some reason, I'm like try to prepare myself for like worst case. So it's like, how do I know if like you know what i need to do at worst case scenario so it's that was the hardest part but it's i don't know things kind of just they do they kind of just whether you want to or not they're going to go in motion and and continue and you kind of just you have to learn how to you know adapt to that and adapt to your kids because both of our kids do like Adler was very different than than zoe he uh hard to soothe you know things like that so that was hard to learn when you're coming home and I don't remember him being like that in the hospital, but at home it was it was hard to soothe him. So those were different experiences as well. Yeah, and this like memory of just this general like fogginess, oh, like yeah. for the oh, first yeah. like, because you're just all I mean you were in the hospital for our first we were in for longer because of the C-section, and then the second was shorter, but at the same time that whole time at the hospital for the first couple days or week at home, I just remember having this, like, it's all like, you know, like you're sort of in a dream. It was sort of very surreal, like experience, regardless of what it was doing, what it was, it was probably all driven by lack of sleep. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like, isn't that a form of torture? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cause you do like you, you start to lose your normal capacity and, you know, ability to control emotions or, you know, process and so it's just sort of a weird period mm-hmm. anything that resembles a cry or a squeak you like wake up immediately without yeah. even thinking about it and you're just like huh what is she what no. yeah, yeah. I, what no, she? I can no longer sleep uh i'm, I'm no longer a deep sleeper like i'm up instantly anytime i hear any noise now yeah. even even if it's not a real noise like if it's not a crying baby it's like yeah. if i hear something i'm like oh yeah mm-hmm. I, okay. You and I were talking about this yesterday where my girls are uh, 10 months, nine and 11. And in that, even in that, that great span of years, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night because I'm not a heavy sleeper anymore. And I'm like, are they breathing? Yep. <laughs> Let's go find out yeah. if they're breathing. And you do the whole yeah. finger under the nose check. Is their stomach rising? Yeah, proof of life. My 11 year old's like, dad, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. Freaking out. Uh, <laughs> just want to make sure you're, 
I just want to make sure you're sleeping. That's all. Don't worry about it. Not anymore. <laughs> let me let me let me rub your head until you fall back asleep. Daddy's sorry. But yeah, like even even still, I mean, I do it more frequently for the baby, but even still, my nine and eleven year old to to that point of like not being able to have a deep sleep anymore. It's like sometimes I don't even need a noise. Sometimes it's the noise in my own head that's like. Uh, uh, a specific story that I was telling it's kind of a little um, gruesome, so I apologize. But I, there's nights my my our middle child Zochi, our nine year old, sleeps on a bunk bed, and she has a rail. And for some reason, as of the last few months, I keep having this recurring thought of like she's gonna roll out of bed and roll through the rail and hang herself, and I'm gonna walk into the room to this. So I haven't been able to sleep very well because I keep thinking like something's going to happen or I'm going to hear this loud thud and she's going to land on her head instead of her, you know, legs or feet or body or somewhere other than her head. And so it's been, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and the same with the baby. It's like, she's going to stick her leg through the crib, mm-hmm. one of the rails in the crib, and then she's going to go and roll over and like break her leg or something stupid like that. And these irrational fears, yeah. right? Yes. We know they're irrational, but they're still, yep, yes. yes. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about any advice? I mean, I we I'm sure that we could go on for hours. Stuff popping up of like, oh my gosh, I remember this, or this is really important. <laughs> but um, for somebody that is getting ready to have a baby or thinking about having a baby. Do any of you have any advice, anything that you would like to say to people thinking about having a child or getting ready to have their first of, you know, like this time will pass. You will get through this. There is hope or just whatever message that you guys feel like you want to get out to the people listening. Take a long trip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on a vacation now. Uh Uh-huh. You'll always look back on that experience with a little bit of rose-colored glasses, too. Like, no matter how hard it was in the moment, I'll still say it was worth it. And so, for for me, I guess in the lead up to the delivery, and what they don't teach you as part of these classes and things, you get the science. You get maybe in our case, it was trying to do the natural birth thing. You get self-soothing tools and things like great. But what they don't teach you as a dad is how to be a really good partner to your wife or partner in this. Um, and I know that the second time around, it was a, we had better communication in terms of like how, what I, what she wanted me to do in the delivery room and things of that nature. But um, I, I can see from whether it was the this the process of being pregnant or some of the, the health concerns we had with our second, how I've had to learn as we go about how to be a really good partner to Aaron. Um, and it it's been a great learning experience. But if that was something where it was more kind of said at the beginning as part of these trainings, like a key part of your role, given that you're not growing the baby and you're not having to um, essentially manage your own health alongside the growth of the baby. Um, your primary role is to be able to support your spouse through all the emotional things, all the physical things. Um, and then when you think kind of to plan out what your role is in the delivery room, nothing goes as planned, as we all know. Um, but whether or not you're supporting your spouse or um, below the curtain, like how and where, like if you're, if you're, uh, OB is going to immediately take your child and go through the normal health checks or deal with something that's more extreme. Like, it's easy to, in the moment, forget that you're like your partner just went through something pretty drastic um, from a health perspective, and to be able to be cognizant in the moment that that is the place you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's sweet to hear. I totally felt isolated and alone as soon as the babies came out. I'm like, I'm still here. <laughs> anyone, <laughs> anyone, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. And I say that more as a reaction that I, I, you can look back and always wish you think, did things differently. There's not anything mean, like really weighty for that, but there's always like, I, I could still next time around hopefully be even more supportive. So yeah. just to have that as something that is a topic that's in your, like in your sphere of thinking. Yeah. Um, before you enter that, mm-hmm. it's not something that's typically covered. I don't know. I guess it, mine would be like to to ensure. I guess, like I said, you know, since I was always once that, you know, having to know how to do the car seat stuff like that. Like I think that's huge. And there's a, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people, you know, car seats super loose because they're afraid they're going to hurt the baby or something like that. And it's, I think those are the things that I think people need to be more aware of is you know you don't have it's not like we're not getting less drivers on the road or less people running red lights i think i see every once one every day i'm pretty much running red lights i think it, you know the more that you can keep them safe in situations that you can't control i think is what because for me that's that's hard um losing not having control mm-hmm. is what's hard um so if you can try to be more prepared for that, I think it, I think that would help. I think that's the biggest thing because they don't, they don't talk to you about that. They don't talk to you about when this baby comes out, you're super sensitive to everything of what's going to happen to this baby, who's touching this baby, what are they doing to that baby? You know, it's like, you know, they tell you, you're going to have, fun, you know, you're going to have this joy and stuff, but they don't tell you now you have this worry because now it's like you are, you're like that main protector and you're like over them. Uh, so I'd say that, and I, I think it'd be a more of leading up to the birth of that baby. Talk about how you feel you're going to co-parent the child. I think that that's a hard thing. Um, uh, you know, that's still even a hard thing. We we still have our differences on how we're going to do things, and it's you know it's hard for the kids too. You know, it's like you can't you can't have both of these sides over here. Um, eventually, they learn. I can play both of these sides in it. So you just have to be, I think, cognizant with something like that. So I think it's more get on the same page before the baby comes because once the baby comes, it's it's hard to, you know, work on these things. You can, but you got your time filled up with everything else that, like you said, you're trying to fill all this stuff in. Um, things get missed, and, and you're just like, well, we're both parents, so I think we're going to do the same thing. Well, it's not. And you want to be consistent, I think, and stuff, so. I think those are the two biggest things I would say. I would to kind of go off of what you said about control is my advice for new parents and new dads in particular is like, you are going to have to relinquish control. Like don't go into the situation feeling like you are going to be, or have any control over anything. <laughs> Just be open to the experience of having a child, be there for your, your partner and just, you know, Enjoy those experiences as it happens, because even though you may have more than one kid, each experience is different for each kid. And so I think for for new parents in particular is don't plan as much as you can, but understand that it won't always go to plan and that you cannot control everything that's going to happen. And this new bundle of joy is going to do what it wants. It's going to have different cycles than you want. It's going to want to do everything on the opposite. As as Scott was saying, it's going to invert your your schedule. And so it's going to want to do everything 
that you want to do. You will never be on time to anything again if you have to take the baby somewhere. <laughs> um, so I would just say just just try and enjoy the ride and the experience and take what you can from it and apply that to future children. And don't be afraid to ask other people that have children or even your even in your own family, your friends, your, your whatever, your inner circle, but don't be afraid to ask for help. I think a lot of the time for some new parents is that fear of like, I don't want to look stupid asking questions about what I don't know how to do. And it's the same thing that we're told in school. There is no stupid question. Yeah. So if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask questions. Partner with friends that are close that have children that have been through these experiences and just soak in what you can, but keep in mind, you are on the baby's time now, and this baby is going to determine what you do and how you live. All the best thing you can do is just try to enjoy the experience and be along for the ride. Yeah. I want to bounce off of what Ryan said. Um, it, part of that's even just managing your expectations. Um, you know, my wife was really focused on on doing a natural childbirth, being able to breastfeed. And these were, you know, our whole foundation of having this child was was built on that. And the child had other things in mind. Um, his head was too big. He wasn't coming out naturally. And um, so she had a C-section and then she wasn't producing enough milk. And this was devastating for her because, you know, the, the classes that we, we took um, leading up to the delivery really focused on just that great all natural experience of, of having a natural childbirth. And these, there were just some really high expectations and they didn't get met. And so that was really, really difficult. So I think it's important that, you know, have an idea of what you'd like to see, but understand that it can go the complete other direction and, and just prepare yourself for that. And you're not, I think the biggest thing with my wife and just trying to support her is she felt like a failure because mm -hmm. this is what the people around her told her it should look like. And it's not at all what it looked like. So I think as a, you know, as a husband, um, this was our first child. So at the time I really didn't know how to, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is how it's supposed to work. And it, it didn't happen that way. And, you know, just, if I was to give myself advice, be like, ground yourself, be prepared for the unexpected and, and don't have your, your heart set too much on, on any one specific thing happening the way that, that you planned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys covered it pretty well. I, I think if I were to give advice to anyone, a new parent or potential parent is, uh, it's okay not to know it's okay to be kind of vulnerable and be honest. And I think too often people feel, I think to your point is, especially moms, there's a lot of pressure like, I can do this, this is what I'm here for, I can, you know, I got it all under control. It's okay not to. It's okay whether you need to be honest and lean on your spouse, your significant other or friends or family, it's okay. Like, parent, I mean, we traveling with kids sucks. <laughs> like it's like, especially young kids, it's horrible experience. But what the nice part about it is the sort of kindness of strangers yeah. that you don't see yeah. when you travel alone or just with your, with your significant other, like 
people are so, uh, it's usually parents, right? But they're so kind and generous and willing to help and forgiving. And like, you don't want to be that couple on the plane with a crying kid, but it's like, if they see that you're doing your best, they are seem more or less so forgiving and trying to help and all this kind of, it's the same thing. Like if, if you're struggling as a parent, whether it's through sleep deprivation or just confusion, or you have a, whatever it is you, I mean, even like you forgot, you know, we went to like the farmer's market a, a, a summer or two ago and I, of course, forgot to bring diapers, right? <laughs> so I got, you know, child here in a stinky diaper and it's just nasty. And this, I went over to a mom and she's like, yeah, of course, you know, of course, here's my changing pad. Here's my, like people want to help, but they're, you know, and so don't be afraid to ask for help, whether again, if it's friends or family or you're just be, it's okay, I guess. And don't feel like you got to keep it, keep it to, to yourself. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I definitely think parents are more generous than what we give them credit for. Um, and I think as parents, we, I don't know, I like it when other parents call and say, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. Can you help? Or what advice can you give? But um, we just get so isolated, right? We get into this fog and you feel like, okay, we're going to bunker down. And I, I guess my advice would be reach out. You know, I, every one of you in here is saying, yes, we're more than willing to give information and support in whatever way, whether it's a diaper, forgetting the diaper bag. Randall and I were notorious for forgetting the diaper bag. Um, but I just, yeah, I think it's great to hear from you guys, your guys' experience, because a lot of times I think moms are the ones that advocate for parenting and we're missing a crucial part of your guys' experience because you guys are seeing and witnessing a lot and going through your own emotions and your own expectations of what it's supposed to be like to be a father and what that was like for you and um, having to either fit that or to break that template and say, I've got to go down a different route and here's what kind of partner I want to be. Here's what kind of father I want to be. Um, and what kind of friend I want to be to new dads that are going through this experience. Yeah. I mean, just a second. I mean, my experience, particularly the second time around um, with the, the challenges we we're having during pregnancy found when I was catching up with other um, dads or, or guys who'd gone through pregnancies. Um, it's weird in terms of the shared experience about how much of what isn't discussed feels taboo in, in a sense, just because it isn't part of our normal conversation or discourse. But I remember one experience I was talking with a friend um, who shared with me probably information he doesn't freely give about how they lost a child at 27 weeks when we were at 25. And I was just like, well, like, and this is not, this is an acquaintance. This isn't someone I know really well, but the fact that he was so willing to share that experience and talk about it and how um, how it has shaped him since then, but also what it was like to go through that to the point of dry running. Like there are, none of this is necessarily new in the world, but it's just not discussed in a way that could be really helpful for people in the moment and not to have to present this, um, this image of perfection or preparation or control to Adam's point, uh, to know that you are rolling through an experience that's new to you that, um, you're not going to have the answers for just to, to seek that in terms of uh, whether it's in family or close friends or just people um, who have uh, are in the same life stage as you. You'd be surprised at how, how much information you can gather from people you didn't expect it from. Yeah. And hopefully that's what's happening here with uh, Parenting Naked and all of our fans and listeners. Hopefully create that culture. 
Well, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes our episode for today. Thank you for listening to Parenting Naked Collaborative. To learn more about Parenting Naked Collaborative, visit us on the web at www.parentingnaked.com or follow us on Facebook at Parenting Naked. Thanks so much and have a great day.